here we are now. Forgive me as I get set up. I was thinking back knowing that I was going to be preaching somewhere around here that I wonder if I could pull off a pastor to Wayne and go barefoot in shorts and preach as well and as calmly as he did it this summer from his home, but uh, I don't know if I can do that. So I got my socks on and long pants. We are excited to uh, be doing this Loving Well series and, and as we touch on some of the emotionally healthy spirituality com concepts over the length of a 30-week series in order to help love well. We pray that you will be able to love God, others, and yourself in better and growing and discipled ways. In um, January of 2019, we were living the dream, me and my family. We were packing up our luggage, our backpacks, for the trip of a lifetime as we got to go on sabbatical. Um, for three and a half months in Southeast Asia is where we, where we ended up. Never would have dreamed that would have happened. And we packed and tried to pack well. People lent, lent us the great big, that looks like a little backpack, but I know you can't see it, great big backpacks that uh, I could pack 50 pounds in, in one of them if I did it right. And so not knowing, never been a world traveler before over to Southeast Asia, didn't know. And, and as you can guess, I packed way too much stuff. And uh, we packed a couple packs with 50 pounds and uh, other bags were uh, for Brooklyn and Boston were just supposed to be enough weight to be able to use as carry-on so that we didn't have to pay for, for luggage in all our flights, but we were willing to pay for some. Well, it didn't take long to realize that I packed too much stuff. It was particularly evident when we got off uh, the subway in Singapore coming from the, the airport to where our hotel would be and we had to walk about uh, six or 10 blocks and I and Leah wasn't feeling well. I had my big pack on, and I had other backpacks put on through the front. And I was uh, looking like the the backpacker's dream, but I wasn't in shape to be doing the backpacker's dream. My back was sore. It was close to plus forty. I was I was sweating. It was at that point that I would have been able to individually tell you what's in that bag that should have been left at home that was baggage stuff that I brought with me that was not aiding me in that journey and had just been basically stuck in that bag. Well, baggage is dead weight. Uh, baggage, luggage is the stuff you need in order to be able to, to uh, do what you were made for, what to accomplish. Baggage weighs down your ability to do what you need to do, but luggage is what you need for your journey. It's the tools, it's the supplies, it's the resources that helps you reach your destination. And as we talk about turning our personal baggage into luggage, we're going to look hopefully and, and help all of us today to recognize what the baggage is and, and how to leave that behind and turn, turn it into luggage that it gets transformed to be part of our story, part of our heritage and lineage in a, in a positive way that Jesus has taken it, he's redeemed it. And now he can actually use the experience of it to allow us to be a blessing to other people, to be able to honor and worship him and to love ourselves well. Uh, as we're going along today, as I said before, you can uh, chat online. If you got a question or, or something like that, you can chat it out and uh, Leah is going to let me know and we'll try to address some of that stuff today. It's been a little while since we've uh, taken questions through the flow and we'll see how we do. In the Living the Dream series, we've been looking at the life of Joseph as that little video uh, pointed out. And the story of Joseph is 25% of the book of Genesis. Uh, Joseph, the, the story, we want you to read it from chapters 37 to 50. But Joseph, he was the favorite son 
of his father and he had 10 older brothers, but he was hated by them. And that those brothers took him and uh, saw him coming one day. They grabbed him, threw him down a, a well or into a cistern, and then we're going to kill him. But instead of killing him, they sold him to a bunch of uh, uh, traders and uh, merchants that were traveling by, and he ended up in Egypt. So he was the favorite son, but then be, because he was hated, he experienced his first betrayal there. Then Joseph became the favorite employee where he was sold into slavery. He became top in command, only second to the owner of the household. And at that point, he experienced his second betrayal where the owner's wife accused him falsely of sleeping with her or wanting to sleep with her or, or sexual assault. Instead, Joseph had ran out when she propositioned him. And so that was a betrayal of trust. And then the owner um, took her word and threw him into jail, another betrayal from the one who was, was supposed to be providing for him. While in jail, Joseph became the favorite prisoner. He's been the favorite son, favorite employee. Now he's the favorite prisoner where the, the top guard who oversaw everything in his area entrusted everything to Joseph. Do you know what the problem with being second in command in jail is? You're still in jail and you don't have your own freedom. You're not your own person. And so even though he was second in command in jail, he still wasn't free, but then experienced another betrayal when uh, he interpreted the dreams of a couple of Pharaoh's employees or servants. And he said, when you get out, remember me, come get me. I'm not supposed to be in here. I'm falsely accused. And they forgot him for two years. But after those two years, he was remembered. They brought him out. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and he went on to be second in command again, second only to the powerful Pharaoh himself. And so that's a little bit of the story. And as second in command, he not only oversaw uh, the abundant harvest for seven years and then the famine and was the manager overseeing everything and saved Egypt. He saved other nations, but most importantly, he saved his own family because his family came looking for food and unbeknownst to them, Joseph was the one who was able to uh, save them and, and receive them. He forgave them. He was healed. Joseph, in spite of all that went on, had to go back in order to go forward, as we talked about last week. Uh, two weeks ago, Dwayne laid the dream out for us, that we need to recognize our current blessings, that we're living the dream, that we can see God at work in the present that we can choose to live beyond, I love that part, to live beyond our current circumstances and that we have a choice in that. Uh, we're gonna deal a little bit with his dream killers today or a couple of them as he talked about the systems and scripts and someday. And he gave you a list of 10 or 12 things as a checklist that we can actually check off every day or every week to ensure we're living the dream or to keep us aligned to what God has planned for that. So if you haven't been looking at that, take, a, take another look. Last week, I laid the groundwork for this going back to go forward in order to do a discipleship beneath the surface, that we don't follow Jesus thinking that Jesus came to make us a little bit better or to look a little bit better or to go to a little bit more church. Jesus didn't come to make us a little bit better. He came to make dead people alive. And so we have to go back to go forward in order to deal with the stuff, the baggage of our life that wants to hold us back. And emotionally healthy spirituality has helped myself, my family in this journey. It's changed Leah's in my life and it's changed the way we do discipleship at the Rock Church. And so if you're a part of the Rock Church, you've been affected by this. And so some of the references today and the graphics come from, from that material. Last week, I talked about ex Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7. And it's a great picture of a lot of God's character. 
God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Great proclamation of his love, mercy, compassion that he's forgiving and loving to thousands of generations. But it does come and say about punishment. And we talked briefly last week about how that word punish may be uh, interpreted as consequences and that the consequences of our, our family that goes back generations of parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, the extended family, not just your immediate brothers and sisters, but the extended family of uncles and aunts and step-aunts and step-cousins, that all is a part of your heritage and breeds the tone and the environment as people have learned how to react and cope and survive amidst this broken world. And so all of that is brought together and it, we live out in the next generation the consequences of the brokenness and sin that happened in the generations and the heritage before us. We also talked about if those old ways, those old patterns of sin and brokenness that we are born with and born into and experience, if those patterns and sins aren't broken off and they continue to happen, those sins get punished as well, I think is what that scripture's taken place. And so part of following Jesus is we need to break off those old patterns and step into the new ways and the new family of Jesus. My wife just said, amen. Can I get an amen in your house? Maybe a text on the chat. So today we're wrapping up the dream. Dwayne spoke of the dream that needed to be lived. I spoke last week of the reality of how we live that dream that we got to go back to go forward. And today I'm going to speak of what needs to happen to actually proceed forward and to reach our destiny. So dream, reality, and destiny. You know, that stuff in the past, we want to sometimes bury it, not bring it up. But the reality is those emotions, those things that have affected us uh, don't get buried. Um, they, well, they get buried, but we bury them alive and their results and the effects and the consequences want to reach out of the grave and out of the ground and affect us. And so God doesn't waste it. And if we surrender to him and surrender these areas of our life to him, he actually heals us. There might be a scar where we remember, but it doesn't have to hurt anymore. There may be a way that a scar of how we used to be or how we were treated, that's a scar and we remember, but it doesn't have to hurt anymore, but can inform and change us in how we live today. And so uh, if we have all the blessings and all the brokenness, we have both. Like it's not just brokenness in our past. We've all been blessed by our, our families and the, the, our culture. And so we take a lot of strength out of that. But the part I'm talking about today is the baggage part, the part that doesn't want to let us go and the part that wants to drag us down. You see, in my backpack, walking down the street of Singapore to the hotel, I had a lot of good stuff, but I was not walking in freedom and I was experiencing a lot of pain, sweat pouring off my face, my lower back. I had to actually sit down against a wall to let it down. I'm giving my, my weakness away. I, I know there's some of you big guys laughing at me right now, but the reality is, even if we have some good stuff coming with us, we got to deal with the bad stuff because we don't live in the freedom that's offered to us. And so I want to play this video that we played probably six or eight years ago from the skit guys called Baggage. It speaks for itself. And then we're going to come back and start to deal with this stuff. Thank you. 
You've heard the saying, he's carrying a lot of baggage from his past, or avoid her. Baggage. But think about it. I mean, baggage, it's, we get it from other people, the things that they do to us or say to us. And if we carry those memories around, in essence, we carry baggage. We begin collecting baggage when we're just little kids. There you are. Hey, 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 hey I need to talk to you. Yeah, what? Well, um, we were talking about building the, the tree house. Yeah, yeah. I, I love tree houses. Yeah, it's just a thing. Um, see, you can't help us build the tree house. Why? Well, you don't really want me to tell you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, we were talking, uh -huh. um, um, the gang, we were talking, and yeah. um, well, you're too fat. What? You'll weigh down the treehouse. I'm not fat. Yes. No, no, yes. I'm not. No, no. Uh, mommy just says I'm big boned. Dinosaurs are big boned. You're fat. No, no, no. Mommy says I'm chunky. <laughs> Peanut butter's chunky. You're fat. No, 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 no. M mommy says that I've lost weight. I think you found it. No, no, no. Mommy says I'm just different. <laughs> Your mommy says you're just different? Yeah, I'm just different. <laughs> go back to where you came from. I gotta go. Bye. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's one of the biggest lies we teach children. Words hurt, they cut deep. And if we carry around the words of other people, essentially what we do is, we're collecting baggage. You see, we can't, we can't find our self-worth based on what other people think of us. We have to find our self-worth based on Christ and our relationship with Him but it doesn't seem to be that easy. And as life goes on and we get older, we just tend to collect more baggage. Sometimes we pick up baggage from people who are very close to us, like a best friend. No, I, I know. I know, Shelly. I know. It's like we talked for three hours and it seemed like five minutes. I know, I know, I know. It's like we have this amazing connection, this chemistry. Okay, I'm just gonna say this, Shelly. I've never said this to anyone in a really long time, um, but I, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're my density. I really, really do. Hmm? No, you're right. You're my, you're my destiny. That's what I meant. You're my destiny, right? I'm just so false. Hey, he's right here. I gotta go. Okay, bye. Hey, buddy, what's up? How much? Who are you talking to? Um, um, talking to my mom. Your mom's your destiny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she gave birth to me and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kudos. Really? Yeah. Because it sounds like you said Shelly. Yeah. Um, that's her. That's her name. I thought your mom's name was Kelly. That's her middle name. Your mom's name's Kelly Shelley? Yeah, yeah, and she was picked on a lot when she was a kid, so I just really tried to encourage her all the time and tell her that I love her. What's wrong with that? Okay, I mean, okay, a great thing well, whatever, whatever. Did you talk to my Shelley? Yeah, I did. Um, and? She's not, she's not gonna be your Shelley. Look, we just started talking. We just, we just kind of hit it off. I mean, it just happened. I mean, what? we had this great chemistry. It just... No, 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 no. You were supposed to call her for me. I did. I started out doing that. I did. You no. gotta believe me. You're supposed to be my best friend. I, I am. Don't, don't let a girl come between us, okay? This I is not a big... You did this. Look, man, you know I've liked her since we were in kindergarten, and you were supposed to talk to her for me. Yes, but, but I've been your best friend since kindergarten, and we've always said growing up, best friends forever, right? Yeah, well, you know what? Forever just got a lot shorter. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's a you girl. did this. You're supposed to be my best friend. And our friends, they're just trying to 
get through life the same way we are. And sometimes they're going to make poor choices and we can either learn to forgive them or we can pick up more baggage. You know, the truth about baggage is we don't need other people to load it on us. We do a pretty good job of dumping baggage on ourselves when we compare ourselves to others. We think things like, oh, if I could be as popular as they are, if I could be as gifted and talented as they are, but I'm not, I'm a loser, I'm no good. And when we think that, we pick up more baggage. Or we find ourselves thinking, they have it made. And why is life so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm never gonna make it. And when we buy into that lie, more baggage. And sometimes, sometimes we pick up baggage from people who love us dearly. They just don't realize that their words cut like a knife. Son. Hey, Dad. What happened out there? Uh, um, the ball slipped. The, the lights got in my eyes. It was... The lights got in your eyes? Yeah. You know that's what costs us the game, don't you? Yeah. The ball slipped. How many times have I gotten up in the morning before 5 a.m. before I go to work to work on the stuff with you? Huh? There were scouts out there. You realize that? Dad, the ball slipped. The ball slipped. It did. I mean, what, what do you want? Hey, coach. Huh? No. <laughs> Butterfingers, yeah. <laughs> we're going to work with them. Uh-huh. All right. See you later. Are you crying? No. Well, don't. Pull it together. People are watching. I want you to grab your stuff. I'm going to go to the car and I'll meet you there, all right? Dad, I'm just disappointed in you, all right? These were our dreams, right? Grab your stuff. And our parents, they don't mean to hurt us. It's just... They've got their own baggage. And when you don't deal with baggage, you pass it on. And for us, we have to learn to find our self-worth only in our relationship with Christ. And if we don't, pick up more baggage. It gets uncomfortable, tedious. And our natural tendency is to want to dump this baggage onto someone else, but it always backfires. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you doing in my room? I just need to ask you a question. What? Can, can you give me and my friends a, a ride to school? It, it, it's cold and I don't want to ride my bike. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Are you really asking that? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Just give me a ride and some of my friends to school. You need to understand something. Just because you and your loser friends are in high school now doesn't mean I'm going to give you a ride, okay? Because look at me. You need to understand that when people look at you, they see a freak, all right? And if they know that I'm related to you, if they know we're brothers, they're gonna think I'm a freak too, okay? And I'm not okay with that. So here's the deal, I don't care how you get there, I don't care if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, but I'm not gonna be a chauffeur for you and your loser friends, okay? It's not my fault that dad left. Why do you keep taking out on me? Whatever. No, you know I'm right. Okay. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're only sorry that I'm calling you out. 
I should ride my bike. I said I was sorry. I'll ride my bike. Come on. And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. And then there's that one, my sin, my secret sin. It's, um, it's cool. I mean, uh, I've got it under control. Who am I kidding? Most of the time it has control of me. And this is the way I live. And yet, I hear the words of Christ who says, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but this doesn't really feel like abundant life to me. I, I, I can't walk straight. I can barely keep my balance. And then, and then I remember his words. Because Christ also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what I want. That's what I want. So I go to God. God, please, if you're willing, would you take this baggage from me? Because God, I'm miserable and I can't live this way anymore. Please take it. And you know what? He takes it. Wow, that is an amazing video. I love that one. I've been waiting to show it since the last time I showed it six or eight years ago. And uh, trust that that message got through to you. Want to speak a bit about that baggage? You saw it being piled on him. You saw him leaking himself once he experienced it. He projected his stuff onto others. And so let's just talk a bit about where baggage comes from. It can come through systems and patterns, the ways we learn to operate in our family and culture. Um, people learn how to survive and cope with, with their own brokenness, with their own sin, and we limp around and we flail around and we affect those around us. And so those uh, patterns become ingrained in us when we don't only experience them affecting us, but we also uh, leak out to those around us. Joseph had potential to be that just like his older 10 brothers, that was their character. They'd learned to be liars, it seems like, and deceivers, but for praise God, he didn't. And praise God, God uses brokenness and he changes us. Every Bible superhero was flawed, was sinful, was broken, and God chose to use them, step in, and turn their life around. And so that's the hope you and I have, is that we don't have to be burnt goods because of, or scorched earth because of where we came from or what happened. God's totally, that's what he loves to do is to redeem people and turn situations around and transform lives. And so uh, we want you to experience that to the depth that Jesus has for you and for I. I'm going to show another picture. It's, uh, it's a little 
I'm going to show you unbiblical family commandments and then biblical family commandments, just to give you a little picture of some of the old ways we may grow up in or think about and the new ways that God wants to take us. We're going to talk about it in life groups. If you uh, want to get a camera and snap the pictures and of the screen, we encourage you to do so. But um, there's some examples of biblical family commandments. Uh, just to point out a couple. Unbiblical family commandments is, uh, for instance, under conflict. Avoid conflict at all costs. Or maybe in your family or in your, your uh, heritage, it was loud, angry, constant fighting is normal. Maybe in regard, regards to grief and loss, sadness is a sign of weakness and you weren't allowed to do it. Or maybe you're supposed to get over your losses quickly and move on. Number nine, in success. Maybe success is making lots of money. Maybe success is getting married and having children. Or, or number 10, feelings and emotions. You're not allowed to have certain feelings or your feelings aren't important. Um, reacting without, with your feelings without thinking is okay to being reactive and responsive like that. And so there's all sorts of unbiblical family commandments in the ways that we can live. But the good news is that Jesus is adopting us into a new family in how we are to live. And so some of his, what he examples for us under conflict, don't avoid conflict, learn to negotiate differences. Eliminate dirty fighting tactics like attacking, blame, shame, passive aggressiveness. In regards to grief and loss, our grief and losses are important to God. Grieving our losses instead of ignoring them leads to maturity and compassion. Grief and loss is a part of our life. It's actually going to be its own whole mini-series in the new year. Success. Become the person God intends and to do his will is the definition of success. That we live in brokenness depending on God. Feelings and emotions. Pay attention to your emotions as a gift from God. Experience your emotions in order to love others well. And so you cannot be... Um, spiritually mature while emotionally immature. We need to grow in our ability to handle these topics and others like them in our life. We all bring baggage with us from those ways. So the patterns and the systems affect us, Bag uh, affect us having baggage. Baggage comes through the scripts that we were given. So we got systems and patterns, and then we got scripts. A script is like what you use in drama or in the movies. They're a speaking role. They tell you your tone. They tell you how to act. They basically tell the character who to be. We can have encouraging life scripts given to us by family, by siblings, by that special teacher or mentor or coach who speaks all sorts of life into us and gives us that courage to step ahead. But we can also have negative scripts given to us. And we can be discouraged. We can be told, if we think back to the, the, the skit guy skit that we just watched, scripts that he could have picked up just from those areas are if you're fat you don't belong you're left out uh if you're trust you can't trust people even your best friends will betray you and he could have all sorts of trust issues shame if i let people down and disappoint them and don't perform well i am going to get it and be shamed even by um, people closest to me sometimes we pick up negative scripts from things we don't even um people don't even mean for us to have if somebody says or does something we can interpret it and internalize it without them intending to have even sent that message to us. We can all of a sudden internalize it and make it a vow or agreement 
or a script that we choose to live beside, live along with. It becomes the way we make our decisions of who we are and how we will live. Uh, I got an example from my our friends in, in British Columbia. They have grown children and they told us the story that when they, they learned from their adult children later on in life, that when they were teenagers and began to drive and allowed later curfews and, and could be out on their own, their two girls handled the situation much differently. You see, mom and dad trusted their girls and they were making good choices. And so they would just fall asleep and the girls would come home. The one daughter interpreted that as, as love and trust. And later on in life, she thanked them for exhibiting that they trusted her to that, that degree that they could just fall asleep. The other daughter said it affected her greatly in the opposite direction because it felt like it was the opposite of love, that she wasn't valuable enough to be able to have her parents stay awake. And um, she internalized that, that she wasn't loved and valuable. And so it's, that's a, uh, just an example of how people in the same household can interpret and receive things differently. Why we as, as parents for sure, and as adults in our adult relationships and you young adults who are watching today, thanks for tuning in when you could be sleeping or doing anything else, by the way. Um, that, that you learn to check assumptions and, and move forward in clarity that, that we don't uh, take from others what never was intended. We have to, with this um, baggage that comes from scripts, give the Holy Spirit space and room to check our hearts, that he checks the, the text of our lives, that we would be living according to what his life and his plan would say for us, not from um, unbiblical scripts. We need the biblical scripts. You watching me today are valued. You are loved. You were planned for, no matter even if it seems like you weren't planned for by your earthly parents, you are gifted, you are valuable, and God has a plan for you. And finally, baggage often develops from us experiencing trust wounds. Trust, rooms, trust wounds come when through betrayals and hurt and trauma, abuse from those in our lives that we're supposed to depend on, authority figures, even strangers, um, when these things happen and all of us trust wound is, when a betrayal happens, trust is broken and we experience a trust wound. Out of that pain, we can then begin to project it back and leak all over because we're wounded. And, and if you know anybody or have had a broken bone or severe injury or bleeding, you aren't looking for people to get close to that. You're fighting and pushing people off and you want people to pay attention to your pain. The problem in this world is, while you're broken and bleeding, I'm also broken and bleeding. And we need to grow in our healing because otherwise we're just two really broken, hurting people bumping up against each other, taking offense, taking pain from each other, rather than being able to walk out the loving well with each other. You see, Joseph experienced great trauma. In Genesis chapter 42, the brothers even say this, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life pleading for his life. That's a traumatic experience. But then later on, uh, in a couple more verses, when Joseph is overhearing them, they don't know he can hear him. It says he turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them. His response was weeping. He was open. He was broken. I can't pretend to know everything that was going on in his head, but I'm sure he was remembering. It was touching the past. You see, the past is woven into us. And while the temptation is to say, I just got to leave that behind, the reality is God wants to heal that and make us uh, more into his image and allow what we've experienced to become part of his glory and a part of his, his story in your life. Here's the thing about baggage. 
we must take responsibility for it. When we haul baggage around and we can't just leave it somewhere and uh, think it's somebody else's responsibility, somebody's gonna step in and make it right for me. Our inner lives are ours and we by default let things in or stuff forces itself in, we blame others, we carry it. If we are unaware of our past, our patterns, our hurt, our dysfunctions, we take it with us wherever we go. Our baggage comes with us, it's like attached. You bring it into your new family, your new job, your new school, your new friendships, your new relationships. And we can only live with that which is attached to us, that baggage. But the good news is that if we take responsibility for it and bring it to Jesus and surrender it, we can experience healing and freedom. And those old patterns are broken off and transformed and they actually become life. We can go from being those who expose and hurt others because of our own pain to being a roof and protector and builder upper, if that's a word, and encourager of others. In the Loving Well series, we're trying to encourage people to um, love God and others well and ourselves well. And so just quickly, three things about that. For us to move forward with our baggage, we want to grow in our trust to God. We want to love him, but we can trust him. Joseph trusts him over the 13 years of journey of the highlights and being in prison and being falsely accused, the lowlights. He was able to move forward because he trusted that God had a, a plan that he was God's and God would take care of him. It didn't mean he only cared for him in the best situations or that he was just trying to get into the best situations, but it meant he could trust him with everything in his life. In regards to others and dealing with baggage, this is a whole other sermon series for another day, so I'm just going to drop it on you, is, is the reality we have to forgive. And let me stay, say it like this. The people that you have to forgive don't have to be alive and don't have to be with you in order to forgive them. Those people need to be around for there ever to be reconciliation happen and forgiveness needs to happen for reconciliation. But there may be situations and circumstances, somebody may be already deceased that you can never reconcile with. But the pain, if you hold bitterness and resentment and harbor unforgiveness, that kills you and it doesn't hurt anybody else. And so we can forgive people and situations and the circumstances that have taken place so that we can be healed and move forward without the baggage of unforgiveness. And then finally, in regards to ourself, be easy on yourself. Be diligent. It took Joseph 13 years to get to the point where he could do what he was going to do. But he saw that God had a plan for it. In 45 verse 8, it he said to his brothers, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. In order to get where we need to go, in order to transform your baggage into luggage, the reality is we need a level and a degree of emotional healing. You see, we talk a lot about spirit, being spiritually healed when we come to follow Christ and become born again or saved, as we, as we say. We talk about being mentally healed or psychologically. We talk about physical healing often and pray for people to be healed. But many people don't like to talk about emotional healing. We want to say, get over it or I've had to deal with that, you can deal, deal with it. But if we don't deal with the emotional stuff, the emotional baggage of our life through what we've experienced it, experience, we will just keep bound up and weighed down. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 18, reading an Old Testament passage that he applied to himself, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Jesus is the answer, not you getting it figured out. We got to go to Jesus. Last week, I mentioned that Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God, to show us the Father, to be our Savior, and to allow Holy Spirit to come so that we could experience the healing and the comfort and the presence of God daily in our life. Jesus went around saying, you have to repent and believe. To repent means to become basically aware and to acknowledge and confess and then to turn and to go into the other way that we can believe. And so to repent and believe, I want to say that we need to act. A-C-T. We need awareness and to acknowledge. We need to allow Holy Spirit to expose in us what is not of Jesus. Joseph wept. Jesus wept. They felt deeply. We may need to feel deeply what has gone on within us. It may just touch a little bit. We may just be able to touch a bit of that pain at a time and go back, take it to Jesus. It doesn't have to happen all in one fell swoop, and it can just be the part that you can see on the surface. But the deeper the surrender, the greater the freedom. Talk to Jesus. Journal. If you're like my wife and I, we needed pastoral help. We, need a, we needed a counselor to walk us through because we were stuck. We needed to get permission from them that it was okay to feel and to think what we were feeling so that we could ask Jesus into who we really were, not who we were trying to pretend to be that it didn't matter. Uh, my wife didn't offend me. I didn't hurt her and that uh, we could just get on with it. No, we need to be healed. And when we're healed, it takes a whole layer of junk off our life. And so we need to acknowledge and be aware. We need to see, confess. If you're starting to project this stuff or you're perpetuating this in your life, you need to confess and, and ask Jesus to forgive you. And you need to repent and confess to those who you affected by that. But some of what I mean by confessing isn't about the idea of repenting for sin. It's just confessing and taking that acknowledgement or the awareness of what's you're doing or what you've been affected by and acknowledging how deep it's gone and how much it's become a pattern and that you confess it that it's been been a part of your life and then finally we acknowledge we confess it and then we turn and we once we are aware and we can confess and repent that stuff we can turn and go jesus's way we can receive jesus's new plan for our lives we have to replace the old pattern because if we don't replace the old pattern, we just learn to live with the same limp. And so we needed to learn different tools and learn ways of living. We needed the community of the rock church. If you're trying to go through your pain on your own, God bless you, but you don't have to. That's why God sent all of us to be a part of your life, to bear burdens, to share pain, to uh, displace shame and blame. We want to love well, and we get it wrong too many times, we know, and we're sorry for that, but, but we need to keep stepping it into to life together so that we can support and hold each other in this journey. Sometimes it seems like it doesn't happen quick enough, but I want to give you um, the encouragement that Joseph's journey of 13 years did exactly that. Joseph was healed. He displayed openness, grace, and kindness to these brothers who had taught him, so, who had treated him so badly. The brothers went back after their dad died, and they thought that Joseph was just put playing a game, and they thought they could be in trouble, that he was going to kill him. And after they said, uh, uh, yo, Joseph, just so you know, dad said, you got to be nice to us. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. 
that was who Joseph transformed into after going back to go forward. That's the type of character we can have. I'm going to play the song, The Blessing. Um, it's got a, I want you to listen to it to the end, and then I'm going to come back and pray, pray over you. But we read that verse, Ephesians, uh, Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness. When those words come, close your eyes. Let the Holy Spirit come into that place and minister and heal your heart as you surrender to him this junk and baggage, and he turns it into luggage in your life. 